bless his name. Come on, like you love him, continue to bless his name. I don't know if we're alive this morning, but can we bless his name? Come on, come on, let's bless his name. God has been good to us. He's been good to us. You are worthy and worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. I'm going to say this. In Jewish tradition, they celebrate annually what they call Passover. In Jewish tradition, they celebrate what they call Passover. And Passover is representative of when the Lord struck down all the firstborn in Egypt. And the Bible says that if you put the blood upon your doorpost, when I see the blood, I'll pass over. And, and, and I think many times we take God for granted and how many times the deaf angel passed over our house. Okay, we need to give God for allowing the deaf angel to pass over our house. God, we bless your name. We bless your name. Somebody did not see this morning. So God, we thank you that you caused the deaf angel to pass over our house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. God has been good to us. He's been kind to us. And for that, we say thank you. Quickly, I want you to take up your Bibles and I want you to go to Psalm chapter 126. Psalm chapter 126. I can thank God every day that the deaf angel passed over my house. Hallelujah. It's so good to see so many of you in the house of the Lord. I see visitors this morning. God bless you for joining us. I pray that the Lord does something or says something um, that makes your journey lighter on today. Psalm chapter 126, when you have it, I just want us to stand to our feet. I have a lot to do and a little bit of time to do it because we have much to take care of today. So I want to get quickly into our text. I want us to look at verses five through six. I've been on this sermon series called When We Weep. I want to culminate that series on today, God's solution for sorrow. I pray that it's been helping you. Psalm chapter 126, verses five through six. I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. And the Bible declares, oh, this is good news. Those who sow in tears, watch this, shall reap in joy. The Bible says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. I want to read verse number five again. Those who sow in tears. I don't know who's been crying lately, but those who sow in tears. The Bible declares, shall, somebody shout, shall. Reap in joy. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister from this subject. We weep with trust. And men, if you can do me a favor and maybe Pastor Cole, if you don't mind giving Steve the key, we may have to get some chairs out of our storage unit if necessary. I need us to understand this, that when the trials of life produce tears, it can make it difficult to trust God. I, I don't know about anybody else, but when the trials of life produce tears, it can make it difficult to trust God. 
Because if we can be honest, uh, uh, tears and sorrow can make it difficult to call on God at times. I, I don't know about anybody else, but it can make it difficult. It can make it difficult to find comfort in God when I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. And watch this. I don't care how long you've been walking with God. When sorrow overwhelms you, it can make it difficult to have confidence in God. Somebody may be asking why, because sorrow knows how to make even the most de devout believer feel distant from God. Whenever I'm in a place of sorrow, whenever uh, grief is overwhelming me, it, it can make even the most devout believer feel distant from God. Somebody say distant. And hear this, I need you to understand, doubt knows how to accompany distance. Whenever I'm in a place where I feel distant from God, doubt knows how to show up at my doorsteps. And this is why David declared in Psalm 13, chapter, verses 1 through 2, he says, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Somebody say doubt. How long will you hide your face from me? Somebody say doubt. How long will I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Somebody say doubt. And notice this, David was a man that God said was after my own heart. But even in the midst of sorrow, David doubted God. I don't care how deep you think you is. Get some sorrow in your life and you'll start to doubt God. And watch this, David had history with God, but sorrow made David question his hope in God. That I don't care how much history you got with God, go through a little bit of sorrow and I promise you it will make you question your hope in God. I know some folk that got history with God, but let sorrow find their way at their, at their, in their lives, then, then their hope in God is questioned. So that means just because we have history with God does not mean that there will not be times in our life where we lose hope in God. I want to encourage somebody this morning. Listen, I know many of us have, are wrestling with seasons of sorrow in our life, but watch this. I don't care if you got history with God. That does not mean you won't, live, you won't go through bouts where you lose hope in God. And watch that. It doesn't matter what testimonies you have. It doesn't matter how much time you spent with God. And it doesn't even matter your title in ministry when you have sorrow because sorrow knows how to challenge your trust in God. I hope y'all just heard what I said. I don't care about your testimony. I don't care about how long you've been walking with God. I don't even care about your title. When sorrow finds you, it can make you um, um, find it difficult to trust God. And watch this, here's where the enemy desires for us to be in times of sorrow. Not only does the enemy, watch this, want us to forsake our community of other believers, but he also wants us to lose confidence in God. I need y'all to stay with me this morning. This is the place where the enemy wants us to be in sorrow. He wants us to forsake the community of the believers, and he also wants us to lose confidence in God. That's where the enemy wants us. Why is this significant? Because our healing from sorrow is dependent upon our hope in God while in sorrow. This is why the psalmist declared this in Psalm 146 verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. Happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God. That means your help in sorrow is dependent upon your hope while in sorrow. Tell your neighbor, I still got to have hope. 
I, I can't lose my hope because my help is dependent upon my hope. And this is why if we desire to find God's solution for sorrow, we must weep with trust. So if you want to find your help in sorrow, you need to ask yourself, do you have hope while in sorrow? Do you trust? Ask your neighbor, do you trust them? Because you can help yourself if you can hope in God. No one desires to remain in sorrow. So here's the critical questions we got to ask ourselves. What then should we hope in God for while in sorrow? That's a critical question. I got to ask myself, what should we have confidence for while in sorrow? And what should we trust God to do while in sorrow? I believe we can find the answers to these questions in our text. And I want us to understand something. Many theologians believe that in Psalm 126, it was written in response to the children of Israel being out of their way of captivity. I need us to understand that many theologians say that the children of Israel were coming out of captivity um, back to Jerusalem. They were coming, in other words, from a place of pain to a place of promise. But here's the significant thing concerning Psalm 126. It is believed to be written as they were still on the journey to the promised land. They had not yet made it to the promised land, but they could even say in the midst of coming out of pain that although we're going to sow in tears, we'll reap in joy. Uh, That's critical for us to understand. They had not yet made it to the place of healing. But yet they could declare this. Somebody say they still had hope. hope. That means notice this. If they were still on the journey. They still had a fresh remembrance of their sorrow. Uh, they still mostly had physical reflections of their sorrow. Oh y'all got to stay with me. And they were still en route out of their sorrow. Yet they had hope. Have y'all ever been in a place where people want you to trust God and you still got a fresh remembrance of what you went through? Many of us, I know for some of us, it may be too much to fathom, but many of us have physical reflections of our sorrow. Many of us were abused. Many of us are still um, looking at the scars of our former sorrow. And the Bible says that they were in their route out of sorrow yet they still put their trust in God. If we can be honest, it can be hard to hope in God when you still vividly remember your sorrow, when you still look like a reflection of your sorrow, and when you still remain in sorrow. Yet somehow the children of Israel could trust in God, and I believe we can do likewise. And I want to say this before I get into my lesson. I said this last week, but it bears repeating again. Our text reveals that much of our hope is dependent upon who you hang around in sorrow. Uh, Do y'all see that? Uh, In other words, the the children of Israel had a community of believers when one started to doubt God that the other one could say, put your trust in God. And here's what I'm trying to say. You've got to be careful about who you hang around while in sorrow. Tell your neighbor, be careful who you hang around. Because who you hang around in sorrow will dictate your level of hope while in sorrow. Our sorrow may hurt now, but I believe our healing is available if we can just trust in God. So let us do Here's what I want us to do. I want us to examine our text and I'm going to be out your way. I want us to look at verse number five. 
Notice what the Bible says. Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. One of the devices of the enemy against believers and sorrow is for you to believe that not only is God not aware of your sorrow, but that God won't answer you while in sorrow. One of the most critical devices of the enemy, he wants you to believe that God is not aware that you're hurting and watch this, that he will not answer you while you're hurting. Somebody say that's the enemy. So, so here's the, but here's the good news uh, concerning the text. We serve a God that is aware of our sorrow and that will answer us in sorrow. And this is why we weep. Hear this. We must trust that God will respond. Somebody say God will respond. I, I've got to make sure that I have this level of confidence in God that God will respond. How do I know? In verse 4 of our foundational text, I need y'all to highlight this and take this down. The children of Israel pose a question to God and they say, yeah, they ask God to bring us back out of captivity, O Lord. And then we find the Lord's response in verse number 5. He says, those who sow in tears shall. Somebody say shall. In other words, the Lord says he recognizes your cry, those who saw in tears, and that he's watched this obligated to respond. Did y'all hear what I just said? Not only does God recognize my cry, but watch this. I said this and I, I know somebody who's really um, theologically deep won't like this, but I said he's obligated. Somebody say he's obligated. He's obligated to respond. Somebody shout this word again with me. Somebody say shout. Hear this because when God's peoples mourn, God moves. Whenever God sees his people mourning, God moves. Uh, You may be mourning now, but at some point, God will move. Watch this. This means that you can have hope while you weep because at some point, I'm going to see the hand of God. The reason why I can have a level of hope, I might not see his hand now, but because I'm a child of God, at some point, I can expect to see the hand of God. Somebody, somebody say, I'm going to see the hand of God. Ooh, that's good news. It may hurt now, but I can expect God's hand. I may not be healed now, but I can expect God's hand. Oh, watch this. Somebody may not be helping me now, but I can expect God's hand. Nobody, anybody else, but you got to have that level of confidence when it, in times of sorrow, it may not be now, but I can expect God's hand. Somebody may be asking, I get that, Pastor Keith, that sound good. And somebody may be saying, why is this significant? Because your ability to endure sorrow is dependent upon your ability to expect to see God's hand. The only way I'm going to get out of sorrow is when I have an expectation on my life that I'm going to see God's hand. And many of the people who give up in the midst of sorrow are people who don't have an expectation that they're going to see God's hand. And watch this. If you've never seen God's hand move in your life, all you got to do is get around some folk that have seen God's hand move. So when I can't encourage myself concerning my own situation, this is why... See, this is why I'm not too fond of the contemporary church. I need some mothers sitting up here in white that can tell you about what God has done in their life. This is why it's critical. Y'all hanging around the wrong folk. If I got everybody, everybody in my circle is folk that's just babes in Christ. I need some folk that have seen God's hand move. 
So, so if I know that as David declares, I was young, but now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is he begging for bread. This is why, see, listen, this is why young folk fall out. Y'all, y'all don't know nothing about the hand of God yet. Who thank God. Somebody say, thank God for his hand. Notice what David says in Psalm 34, verse 17. I believe it's on our screen. The Bible says, here's the good news, that the righteous cry out and the Lord hears and delivers them out. Somebody say, all of all their troubles. Because watch this, God always responds to the cry of his children. Anybody that really got children and love their children, when you hear your babies cry, watch this, you will respond. And here's the good news about parents. We can distinguish our children from somebody else's child. It can, we can, they can be in the midst of other children. And I can know that's Sariah's voice. God's the same way with us. I can be in the midst of other believers. And God can say, I know that's my son's key voice. Oh, somebody say, that's good news. Uh, he, the Bible says he's, he always responds to the cry of his children. So the real question is, watch this, is not are you crying, but are you a child of God? The real question is not am I crying, but am I a child of God? And I'm, I'm, I'm going to mess some folk up for some of the folk that got shirts that say R.I.P. Pookie and R.I.P. this and rest in peace this. And we all grieving in the midst. Watch this. God is only responsible and obligated to respond, not to those that cry, but to the cry of the child of God. Somebody say, I'm a child of God. That's why Pastor Cole had to go through that this morning. Don't, don't, don't expect God to move if you're not a child of God. So David said in Psalm 34, it's the righteous that God will respond to. Hear this, so somebody may be saying, well, what's the righteous, Pastor Keith? I, get, I, I understand that those that seek him while he might be found. Because you got folk that will only seek God in their time of trouble. God says, I'm looking for folk that will seek me while I might be found. That means when it's good, I'm seeking him. When it's not so well, I'm seeking him. In all times, I will seek the Lord. But see, we got folk that only come to church when they need him. We got folk that only get on their knees when they need them. And we wonder why God is not moving as fast as we need him to into our situation. Tell your neighbor, you might not be a child of God. See, y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. So the righteous are those who seek him while he might be found. The righteous, watch this, are also those that serve him. Tell your neighbor, you got to serve him. Many of us, here's the problem with this contemporary church. We got a lot of these folk spectator folk benediction and I'm gone nobody's serving God anymore nobody's not trying to find God what can I lay my hands to do and we wonder why when I get into a situation God ain't looking for the ones who had the perfect church attendance God's not looking at the ones watch this I'm gonna mess y'all up not the one who had the highest total offering for the year but God is looking for those that will serve him tell your neighbor I've got to serve him so, so, so he's looking for those that seek him while he might be found. The righteous are those that serve him. And watch this, the righteous are those that have been saved by him. I don't know about y'all, but I, I, I'm so glad that I've been saved from something. Many folk don't have a level of testimony, but you've got to look back over your history and say, what has God saved me from? 
We all need something that we can declare that God snatched me out of the miry clay. Uh, when my knee, when my, when I was sinking deep in sin, that I knew that God snatched me out. We've got to be able to declare the righteous are those who can declare that I've been saved from something. Somebody may not like this, but you may cry. Watch this over those that are raggedy, but God is only moved by the hurt of the righteous. See, we don't have the same level of heart as God. So many of us, I know y'all don't like this, are crying over mamas that are raggedy. Y'all don't like that. We're crying over best friends that are raggedy. And the only reason I'm saying that is because they're not the righteous. God's heart, and he's obligated to move in the lives of those who declare that they are the righteous. Ask your neighbor, are you righteous? Are you righteous? I ain't saying if you're perfect, but are you righteous? If so, then you can trust God to respond even while you weep. And here's the word of wisdom. Your shall in sorrow is sovereign. I need somebody to hear that. Your shall in sorrow is sovereign. In, in other words, what do I mean? God will respond to your sorrow when he is ready, not when you think you are ready. He's going to respond not when I think I'm ready, but when God says I'm ready. And many of us lose, this is why we lose confidence in God and sorrow. Because we want God to move, somebody say, on oh, my timing. Your, somebody say, my shall is sovereign. Here's the good news and why I can always have a level of hope. It may not, I'm going to give y'all a good example. I want to be off my job. Somebody say today. I want to be off it so bad, y'all. But I got to know that my shall is sovereign. And the only reason that I can open up my, get myself together, I can get my life together, I can put on my clothes, is because I know that God will do it in his timing. And many folk will lose and fall out of the race because they did not realize that their shall is sovereign. Somebody say it's God's time and not mine. So I got to realize that our shall is sovereign. And this is why, watch this, Jesus, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was dead. As a matter of fact, the Bible declares that he loved Lazarus. But in John eleven six, 6, notice what he says. He stayed two more days in the place where he was. Have you ever heard of somebody loving that you loved and, and you heard that they were in dire need and you said, no, I'm going to chill out for two more days. Jesus said, I'm going to chill out for two more days. And then the Bible says in verse number seven, then he went. In other words, God's going to move when he is ready to move, not when I am. But here's the good news. He still moves. Somebody say he still moves. Oh, that's good news to me. So the first thing that I need us to understand, if we're going to endure this thing called sorrow, if we're going to find our solution to sorrow, if we're going to get our help in sorrow, we got to trust that he will respond. Somebody say he will respond. Now I want us to look at verse 6a. The Bible says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. I want us to stop right there. The good news, even in the midst of sorrow, is that God has purpose for our pain. I, I know that seems difficult to fathom, but the good news is, is that God has purpose for our pain. God ain't gonna just let you be hurt and God not use that hurt for something. We may not like the pain of sorrow, but God will get purpose out of it. Woo, that's good news. In other words, uh, while we weep, we must trust that we will reap. 
So the, the second thing I need us to understand, if we're going to get our help in sorrow, I've got to trust that I will reap. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to reap something. Who I'm going to reap something. I'm going to reap something. Because your sorrow, watch this, is your seed. And this is why our foundational text likens our sorrow to the planting of seed. The Bible says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing. And hear this, when I weep in God, I can expect to reap from God. Ooh. That's the critical question. Somebody say, um, the critical word. Somebody say, in. I've got to be weeping in God to expect to receive something from God because you got a lot of folk weeping, but they're not weeping in God. I'm, I'm going to tell y'all what that means. Uh, this is why, watch this, uh, why Psalm 37, 23 reminds us of this. It should be on our screen. That the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Because if we're going to encounter sorrow, our desire must be that our steps have been ordered. Why? Because your steps in sorrow determine the seed sown in sorrow. Now stay with me. And if we can be honest, some of us have sent ourselves into sorrow. Rather than our steps being ordered into sorrow. Y'all see where I'm going in the text? So I've got to make sure that if I'm going to encounter sorrow in this journey, that it wasn't my fault, but it was because my steps had been ordered by God. And many of us watch this. Many of, you, many of us can stop praying for folk that got them own, their own selves into sorrow. You are wasting intercession because some of us got into sorrow and we are not weeping in God. Tell your neighbor, I've got to weep in God. Oh, I got to weep in God. Oh, watch this. In other words, the reason you are weeping is because you were wicked. The reason you are crying is because you were carnal. And the reason that you are in sorrow is because you sinned. Ooh, this is why uh, Psalm 32 10 declares many um, sorrows shall be to the wicked because sin can get you into sorrow. I need somebody to tell their neighbor sin can get you into sorrow. I'm not praying for folk that sin got them into sorrow. Unless watch this. Not that you want to come out of sorrow, but that you want to come out of sin. And we praying with folk that want to come out of sorrow, but don't want to come out of sin. Ooh, I'm going to stop. I'm, I'm going to save myself a whole bunch of energy. So a question you got to ask yourself when folk want you to pray for them and you know that sin calls them to get in it. Now, here's the critical question for me before I waste my level of intercession to God. Do you want to come out of sorrow or do you want to come out of sin? Because if you come out of sin, somebody say, I'll eventually come out of sorrow. Woo. I hope that helps somebody this morning. Because watch this. Because your seed in sorrow, watch this, your seed to sorrow and in sorrow will determine what you will reap. Hear this. Y'all know this text. We like to use it for offering. Somebody say, we like to use it for offering. But I, I, I want to use it for this context. Galatians 6 and 7 says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. And this is why it's so critical to not sin while in sorrow. Because sinning, watch this, corrupts your seed. Tell your neighbor, don't corrupt your seed. And I said this and I had a wonderful conversation with Sam and I know he don't mind. This ain't got nothing to do with Sam's sin. Tell your neighbor, this ain't got nothing to do with Sam's sin. 
but we were talking and we were just reflecting on the sermon and he said one of the good points that I loved about your sermon is that he said that you said whatever you got to do to get out of sorrow do it but just don't sin because hear this I don't want to corrupt my seed Woo. tell you about I don't want to corrupt my seed uh, don't corrupt your seed because if you have to watch this if I have to hurt from sorrow at least I at least want to harvest if I'm going to hurt from sorrow, watch this, I at least want to harvest. I'm going to, listen, I'm going to cry. I'm going to have some tears. But tell your neighbor, I'm coming out with a harvest. Ooh, that's good news to me. Many people don't teach us that while in sorrow. And many of us, watch this, negate our harvest that is expected to come out of sorrow. Ooh, tell your neighbor one more time, don't corrupt your seed. Hear this, our prayer must be, watch this, that of Isaiah 61.3, that we will reap in this manner, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Uh, tell your neighbor, I want that kind of harvest. Yet if that is our desire to reap, we must ask ourselves, what seed are we sowing in sorrow? The good news is that we can trust God to cause us to reap, even when we weep. But we determine our seed. Tell your neighbor, I determine my seed. So hear this, and I'm going to be out your way. The first thing that I needed us to understand is that while we weep, I can trust that God will respond. Not only that, I can trust that I'm going to reap some stuff from God. And watch this, somebody say, you're going to reap either way. You're going to reap either way, but you determine your seed. All right? So I've got to determine what level of harvest I want. And hear this, I want us to look at verse 6b. And I'm going to be done for this morning. The Bible says, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. Sorrow, if we can be honest, is one of the most difficult seasons that a believer must endure. I, my heart is heavy for those like Elder Natasha. My, my heart is heavy for those like Pastor Cole. My heart is heavy for those like Miss Ivera. For those like Mr. Cole, my heart is heavy. Because this is, sorrow is one of the most difficult seasons that a believer has to endure. And many times when we get saved, the preacher never told us how to handle sorrow. So when sorrow hits us, it hits us like a ton of bricks. And I reminded us in, our, in the first sermon in, in this series that sorrow is promise. But here's the good news. Although sorrow, sorrow is promise, sorrow is not perpetual. Somebody say it's not always. So, so here's the third thing that I've got to be able to trust. I've got to trust that I will rejoice. Tell your neighbor, I'm going to rejoice. I'm going I'm to rejoice. Because as we endure the season of sorrow, we can be confident that our season of sorrow will end. And watch what our foundational text says. Shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. That means without a doubt. God says, I'm going to come again with rejoicing. Because watch this, sorrow is seasonal. Somebody say sorrow is seasonal. That should have made somebody just shout happy right there that sorrow is seasonal. And this is why when we weep, we can trust that we will also rejoice. For many, watch this, it may not feel this way now, but there will come a day when your pain will turn to praise. It may not feel like this now, watch this, but your sorrow will one day turn into singing. And watch this, it may not feel like this now, but your weeping will turn into worship because sorrow is seasonal. 
Ooh, that's good news to me. Because your sorrow is only for a season. And this is why Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 4 reminds us that there is a season and a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. That means what you mourn over today, watch this, God knows how to give you memories of joy about it later. There's stuff that I mourned over in my younger days. But when I know that I came on up out of it, God knows how to change what I mourned over into memories of joy. Watch this, I know they cut me off back then. But now that I see them now, thank God that they're memories of joy. Oh, I know that they broke your heart. Somebody say back then. But when you see their life now, ooh, it gives me memories of joy. God knows each. This is the same one that turned water into wine. God knows how to take what made us weep into memories that will make us worship. Oh, I'm so glad that I serve a God like that. And hear this. I, I think I need to drop this off. I, I know it may sound cliche, but we have to remind ourselves and trust the fact that our sorrow is seasonal. It will come to an end. And it may just be a song, but we've got to declare that it always won't be like this. Because the enemy wants you to feel that way. The, his greatest tactic is to cause you to believe that it'll always be like this. And hear this, somebody needs to get that out of their vocabulary. Whatever you're mourning over, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're weeping over, don't allow the enemy to tell you that it'll always be like this. And you can declare to the enemy that my season of sorrow, so watch this, is seasonal. Who shout that for me so that the enemy might hear, I, my sorrow is seasonal. And watch this. I need to drop this off. But watch this. Satan is seasonal too. Just as my sorrow is seasonal, Satan is too. Y'all don't believe me. I'm going to show you in the text. I don't, I don't even know if we got this on the screen. But Luke chapter 4 verse 13. Oh, it's on the screen. Watch this. The Bible says, after the enemy tempted Jesus in the wilderness, he may be telling you that it's going to always be like this. You ain't going to have no friends. Nobody's not going to love you. Nobody's not going to comfort you. Watch this. He may be around for a moment. But the Bible says this in Luke 4, 13. And when the devil had ended all the temptation. Somebody say all the temptation. It's, watch this. It's not a fact. It's temptation. The enemy wants you to believe what's a temptation is a fact in your life. The enemy wants you to believe what's a temptation. Watch this. It's permanent in your life. But somebody say the temptation is temporary. So, so the Bible says after all the, the temptation had ended. Watch this. The Bible says he departed. Somebody say he departed. That means your sorrow and Satan that wants to magnify your sorrow. Uh, watch this. It's seasonal. Somebody shout this so the enemy might hear. Satan, you're seasonal. Ooh, that's good news. And this is why Paul encouraged the church, watch this, in Philippi with these words in Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. This is significant because throughout the book of Philippians, it is revealed that the church of Philippi had much to weep over. The Bible says that they faced persecution. Uh, so we find that in Philippians chapter 1. The Bible says they faced pagan teachers. 
We find that in Philippians chapter 3. And watch this. The Bible says that the Philippian church even faced pride among those who were in the church. Somebody say they had much to weep over. But Paul says, rejoice in the Lord. And then he says, again, I say rejoice. Why, why would Paul say that? They had a reason to weep. Yet Paul admonished them to rejoice always. In other words, Paul says to expect what is currently causing you sorrow to end. Whenever sorrow finds its way into my life, I've got to have a level of expectation. The reason why I can have joy, watch this. Joy and sorrow are not mutually separated. I can be sorrowful and still be joyful because joyful is really an expectation of that I know the God that I serve. So even when my soul does not line up with what I think my God says, I can still yet be joyful. So Paul is saying that although you're going through stuff that's causing you sorrow, watch this, the only thing that is perpetual in your life, somebody say, it's God. The Bible says that he's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I serve a God that changes not. But watch this, my sorrow will change. Tell your neighbor, my sorrow will change. My sorrow will change. So hear this. I've got to have this level of trust on my life that I will rejoice again. And even though it may cause us hurt, we can't afford to lose hope in the midst of sorrow. The worst thing, and watch this, the reason why people commit suicide is because they lost a sense of hope. Whenever people give up and throw in the towel, Folk that shoot up jobs is because they lost a sense of hope. I saw something the other day, a very morbid story. I'm, I'm from a small place, that, and it's, it's comprised of a few cities called the Muck. And there was this older gentleman, the news just said this recently, who worked in the sugar mill. So y'all, that, that's all that's down there, sugar cane, all right, where I'm from. And, and because of, of, of downsizing, this man who had worked 30 years, barely making anything, the man said, I'm going to have to let you go. And then the man begged and said, will you allow me just to work another 30 more days? And then the man said, there's nothing I can do. And immediately he went to his car, came back in and shot the supervisor because he had lost all hope. And this is why the enemy wants us to be in a place of sorrow where we don't have hope. But watch this, even when I hurt, I can still have hope. Miss Alvera, I know it may hurt now, but I want you to always have hope. This is why Paul says rejoice always. And watch this, because your help in sorrow and your healing from sorrow is dependent upon your hope in God while in sorrow. And watch this, this is why Hebrews 10, 23 admonish us with these words. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. And watch this, the Bible says without wavering, for he who promised. Watch this. Somebody say he's faithful. Because God, even in sorrow, God is faithful. This is why we must trust that God will respond when we weep. We must trust that God will cause us to reap when we weep. And that we must trust that God will cause us to rejoice even when we weep. God, somebody say, is yet faithful. God will cause us, watch this, uh, uh, that he will cause all those things to happen in our lives. Yet I believe there's more that we can trust God to, to do when we weep. 
I want us to consider the latter portion of verse number six of our foundational text that it says concerning the one who weeps. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says that not only can I trust God to do all of that, he says, then I'm going to bring, uh, watch my sheaves with me. I need us to understand something. Why is this significant? Because sheaves refer to the bundles of harvest that is reaped. So I'm going to say bundles. Here's what I'm trying to say. I have to trust that I will receive a level of recompense when I weep. Somebody say there's a reward. Hear this, I'm not just coming out better, but I'm coming out, watch this, with bundles. Do y'all hear what I'm trying to say? Many of us are crying over what we lost. I know a lot of preachers like to preach like this, but watch this. We think that what we lost will never get back. But God says, I'm not just going to give you better, but I'm going to give you bundles. There's a harvest. Somebody say there's a harvest. Don't, 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 don't cry over what you lost. Because what God has in, restore, in store for you is greater than what you lost. Because watch this, he's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could, watch this, ever ask or think. Many of us are weak. I said this to somebody, I don't know who I said it to, but some losses are necessary. Because many times what God is trying to do is to make room for more. Tell your neighbor, he's making room for more. And this is why, watch this, he had to tell Samuel, why are you still mourning over Saul whom I've rejected? Many of us are crying over stuff that God has rejected. And we lose our eligibility for our recompense. Oh Lord, I hope that helps somebody. There's more that God has in store for me. God says, I'm going to give you more. You're not just coming out better, but you're coming out, somebody say, with bundles. Let us stand to our feet. It may not be you today, but it could be you tomorrow. It may not be you now, but it could be you tomorrow. There may be somebody that you've got to encourage on today that you can still yet trust God, even while you have tears. Get that on your mind, whatever you're dealing with, whatever, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're just waiting on God to move on your behalf concerning. And it's causing sorrow to come to your doorsteps. Get that on your mind. Father, we thank you. God, we thank you, God, that sorrow is promised, but it's not perpetual. It really won't, God, as Vashon Mitchell said, it won't always be like this. You shall perfect that concerning me. God, we believe that today. God, we won't allow the enemy to win in our lives. God, although it hurts, God, we will not lose hope. I'm speaking to somebody this morning. Somebody is hurting, and they're on the brink of losing hope. They don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They feel like all is lost. But God says, don't lose hope. Matter of fact, I declare this to you. Rejoice in the Lord, and rejoice always. There's an expectation that you can have on God even while you endure sorrow. And God wants you to know, I'm going to respond. As long as you can find yourself as the righteous, those that will seek him while he might be found, those that will serve him in all times, and those that have been saved by him. God says, I'm obligated. Woo. Shout that with me. Somebody say he's obligated. God is obligated to move at the mourning of his children. 
He won't leave you how he found you. He's aware of your cry and watch this, he will answer your cry. Father, we thank you, God, that you will respond. And God, we rest in the fact that our shall is sovereign. We want it to be over now, God, but you're doing something in the midst of this sorrow. God, we won't move, God, and we won't lose hope because, God, you'll move when you're good and ready to move. And God, we thank you, God, not that when you move, God, but we, we thank you, God, that you will move. And God, so we say thank you. We thank you, God, that we will reap, that our sorrow is a seed, God. But God, we can corrupt our seed. Help us not to corrupt our seed. As Galatians 6 and 7 declares, God, whatever, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. God, our sorrow is our seed. And God, we thank you, God, that we'll reap a harvest because of it. And God, we thank you, God, that we'll rejoice. That doesn't mean it won't hurt. But God, we have an expectation, God, that you're still God. You are still the same God today, yesterday, and forevermore. You are a God that changeth not. And God, for that, God, we say thank you. And I thank you, God, and I declare this over the life of everyone dealing with sorrow. That God, they won't just come out better, but they'll come out with bundles. God, there are some necessary losses in our life. And God, watch this. When we don't realize that we're crying over something that you've rejected. God, we negate our recompense. Help us, God, not to negate our recompense. We'll receive it, God, if we can know, God, that you are still the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. And for every believer that believes, you may not be going through sorrow now, but you trusted when you go through it. You're trusted for somebody else going through it. You're trusted for yourself even now. If you believe this word, say thank God. And amen. Give God a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There's somebody this morning quickly that says, I don't have a relationship with God. You just tuned in after communion, so you didn't hear Minister Dominique or Pastor Cole give that plea to give your life to Christ. But you may be saying this morning, I've got to give my life to Christ. And Pastor Cole declared it this morning, and I'm not negating those in the sanctuary. There may be somebody in the sanctuary that does not know God. You've heard about God. You've talked about God, but you don't have a relationship with God. The Bible says in John 14, 6, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So here's what I need us to understand. The Bible also says that if we can confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we'll be saved. What am I confessing? I'm confessing that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. We've all sinned and fallen short of his glory. If you can confess that and believe in that in your heart, you can be saved. And then what else am I um, confessing and believing? I just said it, that Jesus is the only savior, that he died on the cross, that he took all my sins and he got up with all power. I've got to believe that, that he was the perfect and watch his sinless savior, that he bore the sins of my own sins and he took those to the cross. If you can confess that, if you can believe that with your heart, you can be saved. And not only that, I said this this morning, I want to find myself as the righteous. Not somebody, the Bible says many in that day will say, Lord, Lord, um, didn't we do all these things in your name? He'll say, depart from me, I never knew you. So in other words, I've got to allow Lord, the Lord to lord over my life. Whatever he says does, I'll do. Whatever he says um, do, I'll do. Whatever he says for me to say, I'll say. I'm going to do it and I'm going to obey. 
If you can declare those things, if you can confess that with your mouth and believe that in your heart, the Bible says you're saved. If there's somebody here this morning, I want you to come to this altar. If that's you online, say, I've given my life to Christ. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you. We thank you, God, for the decision that has been made to give their lives to Christ. It's the greatest decision they could ever make, not to come to church, not to hear a pastor, not to do the things of God, but to give their life to Christ. That's the greatest thing, God, we can ever do on this earth. And so, God, I thank you, God, for the one that has made this decision. The Bible says that heaven rejoices when one comes. So we thank you, God, for the one that has come. We love you and adore you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand clap of praise for that one. And here's my second plea really quickly. There may be somebody who says, I need a church family. I need to be connected in this journey. I've been a lone ranger in this thing called the body of Christ. But that's not how God set it up. The Bible says that in the book of Acts that they were in fellowship together. Somebody say daily. Somebody say daily. They broke bread daily. They sang songs of worship daily. They studied the scriptures daily. They were always together. That means we're the body of Christ. That we need to be connected to a local body that can encourage us and push us and te to teach us the things of God. If that's you and you say, I want to be connected to the Way Church, just send us a message on Facebook or also send us an email to church office at waytampabay.org. There may be somebody this morning who visited and you say, I need to be a part of this church. All you got to do is slip up your hands. We'll make sure somebody's connected with you. And we'll tell you how you can be a member of this church. Praise the Lord. Hey, do me a favor. If you're a visitor this morning, can you just lift up your hand? Praise the Lord. Thank you so much for worshiping with us. Mr. Cole, if you don't mind, could you give them a visitor packet? Thank you so much for worshiping with us. Um, you are always welcome in this house. We, we believe to be a house that's open to all and that we want to worship God collectively. So thank you so much. I pray that something was said or done that makes your journey lighter, that makes it easier, and that you can follow God more closely in your journey now.